Listen. Just listen. I'm Amanda Delheimer, and you're listening to the Second Story Podcast. Second Story is a hybrid performance series of stories, wine, and music, a collaboration amongst writers, actors, musicians, and others to create good stories and good times. The stories are written by the performers themselves, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, always thought-provoking. And now, recorded at Martyrs as a part of Columbia College's 2010 Story Week Festival of Writers, Sam Weller. This is a boy meets girl story. In this case, I'm the boy, and the girl? The girl is a 1980s porn queen. It's the sort of thing that could only happen to a guy who just got married. I wasn't even used to wearing the ring on my finger, and I was being tempted by the most forbidden fruit imaginable. My new wife and I had just returned from our honeymoon in Cabo San Lucas. When we arrived back home in Chicago, I was rested and ready to get back to work. At the time, I was a staff writer for New City. Perhaps you've seen it. It's that crepe paper thin, alternative weekly that's distributed throughout Chicago. I know many people who have paper trained their pets on my past articles. (laughs) Now, my first assignment after returning to work, go figure. Now that I was lawfully wedded, I'll say that again, lawfully wedded, was to interview a porn queen. And not just any porn queen. I'm talking about Amber Lynn. Now, the name Amber Lynn may not mean anything to you, but if you grew up in the 1980s and remember cultural aberrations like parachute pants and leg warmers and flock of seagulls hairdos. The odds are pretty good you remember Amber Lynn. Let's backtrack a bit. It's 1985. I'm 18 years old, fresh out of high school. I'm a scrawny nerd of a kid with a tumbleweed tangle of blonde hair. I still have occasional acne. I don't tell many people, but I like the love songs of Brian Adams and Rick Springfield. (laughs) It's a summer day, and I'm standing at the checkout counter in a far west suburban 7-Eleven. On the counter to my right is a rectangular glass tank with sweaty hot dogs, turning ever so slowly on a little stainless steel Ferris wheel contraption. Behind that, against the wall, a convenience store clerk throttles the lever on a Slurpee machine like a fighter pilot at the controls of an F-16. The clerk is just out of high school, with long stringy hair coming out from under his green and red 7-Eleven visor. He has a prickly, barely grown in Chia Pet goatee and he smells of cigarettes, and deli meat. I figure that's his Chevy Camaro out there in the parking lot. Anything else? He asks in a slow stoner drawl as he hands the big gulp Slurpee to me. 
my eyes wander. What I would do for some porn. Now don't take it wrong. It's not like I'm an addict or anything. I have a girlfriend. Renee Tripp. We do it. It's awkward. Your typical unartful teen humping. But porn is another matter. When you are 18 and controlled by a physiological tsunami of hormones, you need multiple outlets, right? So there I am, staring longingly at a rack behind the counter of shrink-wrapped, pack, shrink-wrapped porn magazines, and I'm anxious. Do you have to be 21, or is it 18 to buy these things? Anything else? He asks again with a little more force. Yeah, I say, uh, um, what do you want? He asks again. I must be interrupting his regularly scheduled bong cleaning. <laughs> I'm actually nervous. My palms are layered with a film of sweat. Uh, I'll take one of those hot dogs, I say, motioning to the rotating spit with the petrified weenies spinning round and round. God, I did not want one of those. <laughs> now, it's like when you go into a drugstore for condoms and buy a bunch of other shit just to camouflage your real consumer intentions. A Three Musketeers candy bar, hair gel, breath mints, computer paper, Dr. Scholl's foot spray, a pen, a Hallmark greeting card for your mom, Q-tips, and oh yeah, pay no mind to that three-pack of Trojan lubricated rubbers. But in this instance, at the 7-Eleven, instead of rubbers, I'm attempting to buy porn. So I go for the distraction maneuver, and I order a completely inedible, undesirable, sunlamp-shriveled hot dog. Sure thing, the clerk says. Putting on a little plastic baggy glove and grabbing a frank with his thumb and forefinger, and then firmly laying it between a bun. Is that it? <laughs> he asks, handing me my food. I stare at the porno magazines behind him. A hustler catches my attention. There's a blonde on the cover staring out, pouting lips. She's dressed in some sort of Victorian garb, a feather thing on her head, black corset, black thigh-high stockings, ankle-high black leather stiletto granny boots. Yeah, I say. I'd like a hustler. The stoner clerk just stands there and stares at me for what feels like forever. Are you old enough? The guy finally asks. Oh my God. What does he care? <laughs> the guy is barely out of high school where all he probably studied was woodshop and he's carding me. Get off my back, dude. Yeah, man, I'm 21, I say with an emphatic lie. Okay, dude, just had to ask. <laughs> he says this and picks up the shrink-wrapped copy of Hustler and hands it across the counter. At this point, a line has gathered. 
people are gawking. A housewife, a businessman, three little boys buying baseball cards. They're all looking at me and my Slurpee and my hot dog and my hustler. I pay up and retreat. Now, at this point, you've probably put two and two together, right? The woman on the cover of the magazine? That's right, Amber Lynn. I drove home that afternoon and walked through my house. The shrink-wrapped pornographic magazine tucked firmly under my right arm. My parents were both at work. No one was home. I was alone, just me and Amber. I bounded the stairs two at a time, went in my room, closed the door and locked it. My fingernails clawed the plastic wrap off the hustler. I opened it and turned it up to the photo spread. She was amazing. Tan, fierce. Her face was framed in a tousle of teased out big hair blonde. This was the 80s after all. Her eyes were blue and blazing hot. The lips, God, the lips. They were full and wet and slathered in sex red. So fucking hot. <laughs> Jesus. I set the magazine down and went out into the quiet hallway. The sun was setting outside. I went to the bathroom and retrieved an 18-ounce pump bottle of Jergens on scented lotion with aloe and lanolin. I quickly returned back to my bedroom, locked the door again. And you know what I did? That's right. I had sex with Amber Lynn. <laughs> By the mid-1980s, Amber Lynn, now officially my new girlfriend, was one of the biggest names in the porn industry. At the silken age of 19, she had already starred in 40 full-length porno films. In a year and a half, the bleach-blonde bombshell had built an on-screen persona as the Joan Collins of high coitus. So let's fast forward to 1999. I'm a journalist on my way to interview Amber Lynn. Fortunately for me, my wife is cool, very cool. I just told her the truth. Hey, honey, I'm going to interview Amber Lynn, this porn queen who I used to masturbate to when I was younger. <laughs> okay, honey, go ahead, have fun. Be good. My wife is awesome. Outside the Admiral Theater on Chicago's northwest side, it's one of those quintessential early summer evenings. The sun is setting in a watercolor blur of pinks and oranges and reds. Out there, somewhere over the endless sprawl of the burbs. I've parked my car and I'm walking down a leafy side street. There's a baseball game on a television set in a nearby house. And the sound filters out of a screen door and onto the summer street where a small, smiling Mexican man walks by me, 
pushing a cart loaded with warm tamales. It's perfect, and it's still. I approach the Admiral Theater, a huge 24,000-foot megaplex. It has a sex shop selling all sorts of nasty wares from raunchy videos to battery-operated marital aids, more suited for a shelf at the Home Depot, save for the fact that these massive drills are latex and phallic in nature. Something Jessica Young's grandmother might like. <clears throat> Sorry. Now, I know this is going to sound funny, but honest to God, I've never been in the Admiral Theater before. The theater's really big draw is the strip show. These days, there are plenty of big-name porn stars touring the country, performing pitiable dance routines, and likely getting paid massive dollars. Amber Lynn is booked for the entire week. Classic burlesque, this is not. I take a seat at a table in the center of the crowded theater. The audience is mostly post-frat, meathead white guys in between college and jobs in the financial sector. They're loud and rowdy. For these dudes, life is an endless bachelor party. They bark. They pump their fists in circles. They smoke cigars. At this point, I need a drink. A waitress comes by, scantily clad, and takes my order. I'll have a Budweiser, I say. We don't sell booze, she says, looking at me like I'm a complete idiot. A post-frat guy at the table over next to me actually hears me order and he laughs. Want to know duels or a sharps? The waitress asks. Well, that sucks. No alcohol. Still, shamefully, I order a Sharps, one of those nasty, non-alcoholic brews. Several strippers garbed in sequin bikinis, daisy pasties, thigh-high boots, you name it, parade by, offering lap dances. But I respectfully decline. I'm here on business. I have my tape recorder. I have my pen and reporter's notebook. The venue does nothing for my arousal factor. Besides, I just got married. I suck down at least three sharps before Amber Lynn takes the stage. At 34, considering her lifestyle, she looks remarkably great. She obviously works out, and she obviously has a plastic surgeon. She saunters out with the gait and swagger of John Wayne. She's wearing this pair of fuchsia-colored assless chaps and matching high heels. She's engulfed in a smelly bank of dry ice that drifts out and totally consumes me and my table and my bottle of faux beer. I cough, wave my hand in the air to clear the fog away. The routine lasts about a half an hour and it makes the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders look like graduates of Juilliard. Still, it's Amber Lynn. Who cares if all she does is roll around on the floor and do pelvic grinds for 30 minutes? She's tanned, she's toned, and she's that woman from that Hustler magazine of my pathetic youth. Oh yeah. Once the dance routine is over, I get my big chance. It's time to sit down with the actress. She comes out from backstage, topless, 
and we take a seat at a small booth in the VIP section of the theater, roped off from the throng of horny guys circling around. Scoot closer to me, she says, patting the vinyl booth with her long, lacquered fingernails. The booth is sticky. For those who've ever been in a seamy strip club or sex shop or an adult newsstand, you understand that stickiness. It's weird. It's inexplicable. Yet, it's everywhere. When you walk, the soles of your shoes gum up and down. It's on the tables. It's on the hand dryer in the bathroom. It's as if someone walked around with like a misting machine and sprayed the place with I don't want to know what. I move closer to Amber Lynn and she nudges up next to me. I'm trying my hardest not to look at her bare tits. But then she rests one of them right on my right arm. It's just this jello mold, this 36D silicone can weighing up against me. I can feel her nipple rubbing up against the peach fuzz on the underside of my bicep. The waitress delivers another faux bottle to the table. You drink sharps, Amber says, laughing. Yeah, can't get enough of it. The interview goes well. It lasts about 45 minutes, her tit leaning against me the entire time. I take a different journalistic approach with her. I ask a bunch of Tiger Beat magazine-style questions, like an ironic juxtaposition uh, to, the, to her, her lifestyle. What's your fave food, I ask? Pizza? Who's your fave band? Aerosmith. Who's your dream date? George Clooney. I turn off my tape recorder. You want another drink, she asks. No, I say, I've had my fill. And we say goodbye. She gives me a glossy 8x10 photograph as accompanying art for the article I'll be writing. And I leave. I drive home feeling the skin on my right arm and thinking about Amberlynn's breast rubbing up against it. Kind of like when Davy Jones kissed Marsha on the cheek in that episode of The Brady Bunch. She didn't want to wash her cheek ever again. But instead, I go home, kiss my wife, have a late dinner, shower, using lots of product, read, go to bed. The phone rings. I turn and look at the glowing red numbers on the digital alarm clock, 3.30 a.m. Who the hell is calling at this hour, my wife mumbles. I leap out of bed and rush into the kitchen to pick up the telephone. Hello? I answer, standing there with bedhead, wearing boxer shorts. Sam? Says a raspy, deep, feminine voice on the other end of the line. Yes? This is Laura Allen. Who? Laura Allen, the voice says. You know me better as Amber Lynn. I need your help. I'm in trouble. Oh, God. I'm in my dark kitchen, 
moonlight falling in through the slats in the Venetian blinds, and I'm speechless. What the fuck? Her story is absurd. She claims that the glossy glamour shot she handed me was her last, and that she makes a good portion of her income on the road by selling signed photos. The pictures fetch $25 a pop to the horny frat boys. She claims she didn't realize that she had given me her last picture and that she needs me to come out the next night after her routine is done to her suite in Rosemont to give the picture back. She even asks if I can take her to a 24-hour Kinko's to make copies of the picture so she has more to sell. The scenario is getting more surreal by the minute. If you can do this, she says slowly, sensuously, I'll make it worth your while. I'll make it worth your while. The words echo in my head. What an absurd test of my scruples. I just got married and I'm given the chance to visit the object of my pubescent sex fantasies at her hotel in two in, at two in the morning and she's going to make it worth my while. What to do? What to do? What would you do? I had visions of cocaine and mirrors and wah-wah guitar disco music and hour-long fellatio sessions delivered by a high-porn priestess. I have to admit, it was tempting. So I stood there and my mind raced, stay or go, stay or go. In the end, hate to disappoint, I just couldn't do it. Some fantasies are better in the mind than in reality. I often wonder what would have happened had I gone out to the Rosemont Suites. Instead, I sent a New City intern named Shane. <laughs> Shane was just out of high school, nerdy, awkward, a face full of acne, and a head of unmanageable blonde hair. The kid went to the suite in Rosemont at two the next morning and helped out the porn star in distress. When I saw Shane in the office the following day, he had this ear-to-ear -ear grin across his face. Like he just visited an X-rated fantasy island. Except no Mr. Rourke, no tattoo, just Amber fucking Lynn. Well, I said, Shane, I just have one question. What's that? Shane replied. Did she make it worth your while? Shane, the intern, was thoughtful for a long moment. Relaxed, like he just smoked a big bag of government-grade weed. It was a fantasy, man. A pure fantasy. And that's all he said. He walked off after that to go open mail and make coffee. And to this day, I still wonder what that fantasy entailed. <laughs>
That was Sam Weller. If his story gives you ideas for your own second story, we'd love to hear them. Please join us for our ongoing series at Webster's Wine Bar and The Morseland, or for one of our upcoming special events. This month, we're doing a benefit fundraiser for Open Books on Saturday, May 1st. Visit our website for more details. Second Story Podcast is brought to you by Megan Steelstra, Shannon Sullivan, Miles Pulaski, Mikhail Fixel, Eric Engelson, and Nick Kawahara. I am Artistic Director Amanda Dahlheimer. Serendipity is funded in part by the Gaylord and Dorothy Donnelly Foundation, the Illinois Arts Council Estate Agency, the Richard H. Driehaus Foundation, City Arts Grants, the Chicago Community Foundation, a part of the Chicago Community Trust, the Arts Work Fund, and listeners just like you. To find out more about Second Story, the performances, and our performers, or to make a donation, please visit us at secondstory.com. Thank mm-hmm. you.